0: Welcome to the You Are Not A Frog Summer Replays. Over the summer, I've decided to smoke what I'm selling and take a proper break. So I'm re-releasing some of our earlier podcast episodes and I think they're perfect for a listen to help you reflect and reset before a busy autumn. We'll post links to the original show notes site where you can find out more. So please take some time to look after you this summer. And we'll be back and raring to go in September with loads of new guests and some old favourites. Welcome to You Are Not A Frog, the podcast for doctors and other busy professionals who want to beat burnout and work happier. I'm Dr. Rachel Morris. I'm a GP now working as a coach, speaker and specialist in teaching resilience. Even before the coronavirus crisis, we were facing unprecedented levels of burnout, we have been described as frogs in a pan of slowly boiling water. We hardly notice the extra long days becoming the norm and have got used to feeling stressed and exhausted. Let's face it, frogs generally only have two options. Stay in the pan and be boiled alive or jump out of the pan and leave. But you are not a frog and that's where this podcast comes in. It is possible to craft your work and life so that you can thrive even in difficult circumstances. And if you're happier at work, you'll simply do a better job. In this podcast, I'll be inviting you inside the minds of friends, colleagues and experts, all who have an interesting take on this, so that together we can take back control and love what we do again. Now for the episode this week, we're stepping away from the more emotional and psychological impact of the coronavirus crisis to talk with Gita Anjani Trevorrow-Seymour. Now Gita is a leadership coach and she is very experienced in working with teams. And one thing I noticed uh, through the crisis is that people are becoming... A little bit more uh, like an uber version of themselves and by this I mean I've had conversations with several people that said you know what uh, this person in my team we always know they were knew they were a bit autocratic but they've got even worse this week and over the crisis and they're really starting to exert their influence or they're being really irritating and they're stepping back or they're doing this or they're doing that all these things that are actually getting in the way of the team functioning really well and I think that under stress these sort of things in our per- sanities they're heightened, aren't they? And we are all under stress and we're all working under difficult circumstances. And so many people are finding that, that actually things are a little bit more difficult interpersonally at the moment. So I thought you'd like to listen to a conversation with myself and Geeta all about what we do under stress and how we can manage that and how we can change the way we are with each other to really make allowances for each other. But in order to make allowances, first of all, we need to understand ourselves and we need to understand another, the other person as well. So we talk about in this episode a really interesting model. It's based on the social styles model about how we can uh, experience other people and how other people experience us. So I hope it's helpful to you. If you want to have a look at the model, then you might want to watch the YouTube version of this episode in which we have the slide on the screen. So you can either have a look at the show notes or have a look at the YouTube video if you want to see the actual model drawn out. But here's the episode and I hope you enjoy it. So it's really great to have with me on the podcast today, Geeta Trevorrow-Seymour. Now, Geeta's an executive coach and leadership development expert, and she's a communication skills expert as well. And you tell me, Geeta, you're a a self-confessed neuroscience nerd. Is that right?
1: Oh my God, completely obsessed with that three pounds of flesh between our ears, Rachel, completely obsessed. I can't imagine anybody that wouldn't be, honestly. Like, why wouldn't you
0: want to know how that whole thing works inside there? I love it. Yeah, it's fascinating isn't it when you start to delve down into actually why are we thinking and feeling how we do and and often there's a completely rational explanation for it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been obsessed with human behavior since I was six. I started life, you know, just looking at people wanting to know what was going on inside their heads. I didn't even know there was something called neuroscience until a couple of years ago to actually understand it right and what's going on in there. But humans are infinitely fascinating.
0: And I guess the good thing about being able to understand it and apply it is then you, you know what you can change. You can actually how we can act differently and how the neuroscience will back that up and it's a bit, little bit more evidence-based than perhaps it used to be.
1: Yeah and I think it makes a difference in the work that I do with people sometimes particularly it's human to human right there's so much room for error mm-hmm. around things and we take things so incredibly personally so what I found is Once people understand what's actually happening, and I don't necessarily go into the science of it with everybody, but for those that are particularly analytical, which is a lot of my clients in kind of the finance industry, it really helps to take the personal out of things. Mm -hmm. So where once upon a time you might be like, oh, God, I can't believe that person is so rude or so aggressive or, you know, they're just so dismissive or it becomes very personal human on human. And when you can take a step back and understand that actually It's a series of pathways that you've set up in your brain that are being triggered and you have full control over that. It's so liberating. It becomes less about he said this and she did that and he doesn't like me and that person on my team is rubbish because just getting that framework to then make decisions around is so powerful. me too with my team by the way because I'm still figuring it all out
0: (laughs) yeah I guess that's one of the really great things about being the coach is no matter how much I can help other people I feel like I'm gaining even more myself from every conversation and everything I read and every time I run a training course I'm like oh yeah absolutely (laughs) I mean I I did psychology at university and even then
1: you know you find the people that are drawn to that are the ones that you know we're really wanting to to have a level of self-discovery first right And then as you say, you come out of a coaching session, like, wow, that was powerful. But then actually you start to reflect, not but, you know, as part of it, you start to reflect on what you learned and the teacher becomes a student in that very cliched way.
0: Yeah, that's great. And we're recording this podcast in the middle of the coronavirus crisis. So we're all in lockdown. We have families around the house. I've got a big sign of my door saying podcast recording do not come in. Although, you know, I can imagine any minute now I will get a little intruder. I had that last week, actually. I did a free masterclass
1: on how to stop the overwhelm, right, and and see the possibilities. And I specifically said I have a five- and a three-year-old. And my husband actually was downstairs. He's like, no one will come up. I'm on patrol. My mum lives with her. She's like, don't worry. It's all lockdown in lockdown. And then it was probably about seven minutes before the end of the hour and I saw the telltale sign of the door going like this (laughs) and I'm like, well, heads up, everybody. I think there were like 50 people live. I'm like, just heads up. But the door is opening and I don't know which shout is going to come in. Clearly a very, very important update from my five-year-old on his bug collection. You know, that had to be, you know. But it's the new reality and that's it. It can either cause you stress or you can view it as part of the reality and deal with it differently
0: yeah well, I got interrupted in the middle of a webinar the other day by, by my cat who 'd managed to somehow open the door and just walked into the middle of my office and stood and just went meow very loudly and then walked out <laughs> again so, anyway, the cats let you know i 'm here the cat 's at it as well anyway, so onto the podcast today, so just did a bit of a context we 're filming this from lockdown. We you know know the the stress and the strain it 's having on everybody, and Gita and I were talking recently about the way it's sort of affecting teams and what's happening, particularly from what I'm seeing amongst doctors working in hospital. And I had a, a friend who happened to comment to me that one of the members of her team was being quite difficult, but wholly in character, actually. She said, you know, actually, we could have predicted the way that this person was going to respond during this crisis. They've always almost under stress become more them, <laughs> become all yes. sort of retreated into more, you know, we see each other's yep. bad points, each other's difficulties. And I guess um, a lot of the podcasts that I've been doing, we've been talking about making allowances just for ourselves, but also making allowances for other people. Because when we are mm. under a lot of stress, we don't behave particularly well, do we? And we were chatting no. about actually the different stress reactions that we do have. You know, what sort of stress, what, what yeah. sort of spectrum of stress, stress reactions that people can show in, in terms of
1: behaviour. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really useful to understand what the norm looks like so that you can then recognize what stress looks like. So when I'm doing leadership work, for example, and, and I still say, say it for anyone anyway, is you've got to put the oxygen mask on first, right? Like, yeah. let me take a breath in. Let me figure out who I am and where I'm coming from and what happens to me under stress. And then let me turn the spotlight out. Let me put the oxygen mask on someone else. And that requires you to understand, firstly, what their base point is. Actually, where are they coming from in a neutral position? And then how do I recognize when they're under stress? So it's useful. And there's a lot of different psychometric profiling tools out there. I use a very detailed one called HBDI. And it gives you your profile as well as your profile under stress. But what I thought might be really useful for your listeners today is to talk about another profile that I use, which is social styles. Firstly, because if they're interested, I can send them a free downloadable and they can actually see what their style is Mm -hmm. versus working with me on on the paid version of HBDI. But also because it becomes very, this way of assessing other people will become very clear to them so that you can start to even straight away today go, oh, I think I'm here and I think that person's there and start to apply it so if that's useful I'll just give a little five minute what that framework is and then talk a little bit about what happens to those different stresses different people under stress
0: is that useful that'd be great I think the social styles one is just really simple isn't it it's really easy to get very simple and you can immediately go yeah that's me or that's them (laughs)
1: exactly you can start to spot people in the wild right it's like oh I think that's what's happening for Rachel I think she's on that side of the line
0: yeah yeah So, so tell us about it
1: Yeah, it's very simple. as a four-box quadrant, as per usual, and there's four different styles. The axes are about assertiveness and, interestingly, to use your word, responsiveness. The thing that I want people to understand is that it's very easy to start spotting which side of the line people are on. So, for example... People that are, and I'm trying to see which way this will go on the video, but people that are right of the line Mm -hmm. are more likely to talk in a lot of statements. They're going to tell you upfront what they think, whether they're under stress or not. People that are left of the line are going to really need some time to process things, and they're going to
0: the assertiveness line. Exactly. So 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 the x-axis is the assertiveness axis, right? Okay, got you. Yes. So So people on the right axis. I'm
1: more going tell you. Yeah. And I get, yeah. I mean, assertive is is a ch- challenging word sometimes I think for people, but yeah, they're going to assert their opinion more okay. when they're communicating. People yeah. that are left of the line are going to ask more questions, appear okay. less assertive because they need time to process it. Okay. So on a team meeting, for example, you're on a zoom and you say, Hey, Rachel, I'd love your opinion on that. And Rachel's like, Yeah, nothing to add right now. And you're like, oh, okay, thanks a lot for that, Rachel. But actually you needed time and you've got a magnificent idea there that's going to come, but it's going to come later, right? And we're going to talk in a minute about the stress and what that adds to that situation, for example, in a team meeting. And then the Y-axis is about responsiveness and what the language of social styles is that at the top is control and at the bottom is emote. Now, I find that gets a little challenging because people think of people above the line, right? So actually, it's that way, right of the line and left of the line for tell and ask. They think of people that are above the line as like robotic and controlled and emotionless and people below the line, clearly they're like hysterical and they work in HR. Obviously, it's more complex than that. (laughs) So I think the way to, if you're thinking about yourself first, which is what I encourage your listeners to do is self-assess as we're talking, is, okay, am I right of the line? Do I say, talk in statements a lot? Am I happy to, to offer my opinion quickly? Am I left of the line? Do I ask a lot of questions? Do I need time to process? And then the other axis is, am I above the line in terms of task? When push comes to shove, am I focused on what needs to be done? And then, if or am I below the line? And in fact, when push comes to shove, I'm focused more on relationship. So I'm focused more on who's involved. So, just pause there. Any sort of clarification on that?
0: I know you're familiar with this type of work as well, but. So, yeah, that's interesting. So, the, the CERT one, it's not about are you assertive or not, because you might not assert immediately but you can be very assertive it's about how quickly you'll assert your opinion as opposed to sort of more listening and asking questions and then so that's yeah x-axis and then the y-axis is all about the, the top of the y is about more controls in your response and more thinking through i guess you might if you apply that to sprigs, it might be more of a think of my sprigs and, and down at the bottom it's more about people who maybe it's their feelings are more emotes and sit with that exactly I can see, I can see exactly. where I am already can <laughs> yeah, you which um let me tell you what the quadrants are and then okay. I want not
1: which which box do you think you're in and then I'll tell you what the quadrants so are
0: I'm in the bottom right box definitely bottom right I'm quite okay. quick to give my opinion on things yeah I'm definitely quite relationship focused feelings and I think if you ask my other half I do tend to emote quite quickly a lot <laughs> quite quickly yeah So that's really
1: good self-awareness first tick for yeah, that thank you um, and I'll take that. that box there if yeah. you're sitting there then you're what we would call in the social styles language an expressive okay okay yeah. if you go one box up from there that and an expressive is absolutely relationship-based they are also generally Someone who likes to be heard, like they want to be heard. They like to be in the spotlight, but they also like to involve others. And we'll talk about how that's different to amiable in a moment. But if you go straight up from there, that's what we call a driver. Now, this is someone who is absolutely focused on getting stuff done. Now, they're the one that might come across as aggressive, but I want to use that word carefully because aggressive is subjective. It's how you experience someone. Right, And that's a key piece that I really encourage people to take away is the way that you describe someone else, you're describing it from your preference, from the way that you see the world. So actually, I see that person as aggressive, but actually someone who's another driver is not going to see that person as aggressive. They're going to experience them as very assertive and decisive. So it's really important to understand that you're viewing things from your preference, from your style. But they are often that quite very decisive, very competitive. Absolutely happy to offer their opinion and don't actually really necessarily want to hear anybody else's because the quicker you can get something done, the quicker you can move on to the next thing. They're very results oriented, very driven. Hence the driver. Okay. Anyone in your life, either you or oh, the. <laughs> I can. I can maybe. You.
0: It's interesting. My colleague that talks about, or well, my friend that talks about her colleague. I've got to call my friend's colleague. Barbara, let's call her Barbara. You know, she described Barbara as very, you know, she just goes Uber into Uber, she's gone Uber Uber driver, driver mode. Yeah. She's gone, she's really bossy. She's going, This is gonna and she's just not listening to anyone else. And she knows that her opinion is the right and her way is the right one and yeah,
1: just doesn't Yeah. And that is exactly true. So when you said at the beginning of the podcast, actually it's like, oh, they're becoming the Uber version of themselves when we use the lens of social styles that is a way to start to assess is someone under stress. Now what's interesting here is the, that first level of stress, which by the way, stress is good. Let's let's not, let's not just discount that conversation. Being stressed is actually, there is a good element to that because it, it improves your memory because you're hyper-focused and your brain is storing it because it wants to remember that situation because clearly it's important. That's why you're in your sympathetic nervous system. And It helps you to be quite efficient with tasks because, again, you're very, very focused on it. So I don't want to discount that when we're talking about under stress because you might have people on your team or you might indeed feel stressed and think that's a bad thing. But it's about understanding what level of stress am I under because that first level of stress might be okay. When that becomes the norm, when we're operating from that level of stress and we're constantly in our sympathetic nervous system, which yeah. you know most people understand as fight or flight, that is when it becomes incredibly damaging, as I'm sure you've spoken before about around the bi- neurobiology of it, right? Yeah, yeah. But drivers, absolutely. So if we come back to that framework, if we then go across to that top quadrant on the left, that is what we describe as analyticals right. in the social styles language. Now this is someone who, remember we're on the other side of the line now, so they need a lot of facts they want a lot of detail, they want a lot of information, do not withhold that email trail from them. They want every single forwarded email that you have ever received on the email trail and and they want to dive into the detail. And where they differ from drivers is that may make them quite slow in their responsiveness. So that may be the person right now who's on the Zoom that doesn't put their video on and you're not even sure if they're listening because they haven't contributed. Yeah. Right? Or even if their video is on, it's like, are they really they haven't contributed anything on like the yeah. last three scrums that we have really
0: action bored.
1: yeah yeah like they've just checked out maybe they're analytical and maybe they're not even under stress yet they're just analytical and they're processing everything then if we and then again we'll talk about what happens to all of them under stress but if we drop down then into the quadrant below yeah is there someone actually in your mind that you know that might be analytical rachel That's coming up like hmm
0: yeah lots of people actually i'm thinking my other half but i think he's bang in the middle actually between analytical and driver but yeah there's lots of people I can think of that do just stay quiet And Uh, you think why aren't they contributing are they bored are they not just not got any ideas but actually they're just processing stuff yeah and then when they do when they do
1: contribute it's a question and they have more questions and then they have more questions and then they have more questions and then the driver is like oh my goodness I'm starting to internally combust like no more questions let's just get it done Now, it's interesting you say you think your other half is there because that old cliche, right, it's a cliche because it's a universal truth, that opposites attract. Okay. Across the diagonal, Mm. often because of that. And, you know, when I'm doing work, obviously, in the corporate world, that's about recognizing, you know, who's on your diagonal because that's often where the greatest frustration lies. But also then what does that mean? We've been attracted to that person in our own life, personally. And inevitably, the work I do is holistic. It ends up being much, yeah. you know, blurred lines. It's how how can you be the best version of yourself at work? That means personally as well. Yeah. Is how do you then say, this is a person I chose? And what are the types of conversations I'm having with them based on their style? Right. And and this is also another really big key understanding because I don't know about you, but you know, I grew up with the kind of, we're not particularly religious, but that do unto others as you would, how would you finish that sentence? Do unto others as you would. Do to yourself. Exactly. And that's kind of the golden rule and the Gita platinum rule that I really encourage people to take away, which will help them to really shift their perspective and their empathy and their ability to communicate and connect is do unto others as they would have done unto themselves
0: okay well, I like that yeah
1: and that's about saying wow you know he or she is highly analytical and that is completely different to me but I just want them to get it done and do it this way and make it happen hold on a second first I need to recognize where I am and I'm going to recognize where they are and then I'm going to say okay how do I communicate to them in the way that they get it Yes. And how do I do that? And this is where it gets sophisticated, obviously, the work that I do and very nuanced is how do I do it without letting go of my authentic self? Right? How do I find that balance between adapting and not surrendering? But that can be for another conversation.
0: But sometimes just understanding that is half the battle, isn't it? So I know that when I'm communicating with my other half and I have all these ideas, I thought of this and I thought I'd do this. And what do you think? Oh yeah. I have learned that the first thing he will come back to me with is a problem or a question or a, not a criticism, but he's looked at it and he's gone, oh, how would that work? And then then what will happen is I'll go, oh, he doesn't like it. And then two weeks later, he'll be saying, I'll be saying all that. And he'll go, well, you said you were going to do this. It was a brilliant idea. And I'll go, yeah, but you said it was awful. (laughs) He'll go, no, I didn't. I was just thinking about it and processing it. I'll be like, oh, and so now just to expect that and go, Oh, that, that's great. That's him processing. And actually that is really helpful because I need someone to analyze my ideas. I have a lot of ideas and not all of them between you and me are great, but some of them... <laughs> <laughs> oh, every single one of them is fabulous, you know? Well, I think so, but not everyone else does. And that's why actually the opposite is like you said, actually working with the opposite, if you can get over your social style, yes, yes. is so powerful. Yes. and Because often it's actually the style that's going on. So going back to my friend with Barbara, the driver, it's often her style that's the problem, not what she's saying. Yeah. And she's not doing it to
1: be bossy. She's not doing it to be aggressive or be rude or be dismissive. She's doing it. And and it's an exercise I often do, actually. And I encourage you listeners to do this as you're listening, is to just fold your arms, right? Like just fold your arms and now fold them the other way. Ooh. Yeah, a bit weird, right? Yeah, first yeah. way. If you're watching us on video, yeah, this is actually, the first no, it's way. You're I like. actually, ooh, that's really so. Go back to doing it the first way. That's what your preference is. Why do you fold your arms that way? Did you see someone do it? Is it someone you admired? Were you taught yeah. that as a child? We can explore all of that. Yeah. But the key liberating fact is that you prefer to fold your arms that way. Now, can you fold your arms the other way? Of course you yeah. can. Does it hurt? Is it difficult? It's Does uncomfortable, it take more energy? Isn't it? it's,
0: uncomfortable it's uncomfortable and uncomfortable. it takes more thought, which takes more energy yep. and it's difficult, but it is needed. So Geeta, I'm really interested in, in all these interactions, but first, can you just tell us about the bottom left quadrant? The final box, Yeah. final box is amiable. Okay. Now,
1: this is someone that is very focused on relationships, similar to expressive. Remember, they're both below the line. But this person is very consensus driven. They're very conservative. They're not a high risk taker like a driver or potentially an expressive. They're very conservative and they want everyone's opinion to be heard. They're likely, again, remember, they're left of the line. So they're taking their time, they're considering things, they're possibly asking questions when they're interacting. But generally, the questions they're asking is what do you think about that, Rachel? Mm-hmm. And have we heard from such and such on this call? So they are very much um, about the group collective and what tends to happen to them. And I'll refresh around as we go around the quadrants with styles is again, they become the Uber version of themselves as your friend has recognized and they acquiesce. So they want to avoid conflict at the best of times and they are more likely right now when they're feeling really stressed to say yes, even more. So when you're thinking about that as a leader or, or when you're looking at your team or anyone for that matter and you see someone that just keeps putting their hand up and go, okay, cool, no, that's where I, yep, I will do that. Okay, yes, absolutely. Because they, they're kind of taking one for the team all the time and you can imagine what then happens to them. Yeah. Right, It's like more, 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 more because they're trying to please everybody and be helpful. So anyone in your mind that you can think of? Yeah. Who's an
0: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And they do get, but you can sometimes see they're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're being a, but you can sort of see un- underneath. There's some yeah. stuff bubbling away, I think. Yeah. And I think to amyables, to amiables come resentful quite quickly. They can, that's
1: more an expressive. They tend to, uh, expressives go to blame and attack. Mm. They go to attack okay. very quickly amiable's become resentful when it really is long-term so when they've been existing in a state of stress for a long time but they tend to still take the burden on themselves Mm -hmm. like i knew that this would happen i should have been more responsive i knew that i was going to let them down they still go into self-flagellation and then the deeper that goes because you've got to think there are different you've got to understand there's different levels of stress then ultimately it might turn to resentment. And that's when you see them flip, right?
0: So, under stress, I've got amiables tend to say yes a lot more, acquiesce, avoid conflict, and self flagellate. Drivers, I guess, tend to get even more autocratic, don't listen. Yeah. Uber versions of themselves. You said mm-hmm. expressives start to blame and attack people. Anything else that an expressive yeah. will do under. Oh gosh, I can see that so much in myself. Can you, like oh my gosh. Self confession <laughs> to. 600 people here, but, you know. Oh, listen, I'm right there with you, if it helps. I am an expressive, you know, if you understand
1: this work, you probably will have spotted that already. But I had a situation a couple of years ago, and I was driving to the airport with my mum next to me, picking up my aunt, who'd had a 26-hour flight coming into London from Sydney. And we left at 5 in the morning, because they're inevitably early morning flights. I'm driving along the motorway, and I realise, Rachel, that I'm not going the right way. To get to Heathrow and of course I go immediately into stress trigger my sympathetic nervous system the adrenaline the cortisol is like pumping now the difference for me because I'm expressive to how somebody else might have reacted is this is the first thing that came into my mind damn you Tim now Tim is my other half and clearly it was his fault <laughs> that I was driving on the wrong route to Heathrow now I didn't leave it there Rachel I picked up the phone and it's 5.30 in the morning, and I rang him to say, I'm lost, and I, and he's like, oh my goodness, where are you? I'm like, I don't know where I am, I'm lost. Quite clearly, if you had gotten up this morning and told me the way that you normally go to Heathrow, I wouldn't be in this position. And he's like, "Um, okay, I don't know what you want me to do right now, can you give me like a road sign, where are you, can you pull over, can you switch to map, can you, he's going into like facts, right? He's trying to get facts to help because he's
0: analysing his way out of the situation. Yeah, because he's
1: feeling stressed because Mm. I've put him in that state and I'm getting more and more annoyed because I'm in blame mode and attack mode. I hear you. Like once you start to recognise it also, this is the liberating thing. It's like, oh, okay, (laughs) I'm there and he's there or she's there or, on, you know, my team are there. So their attack, driver is autocratic. You know, Mm. I, I love a little alliteration. Amiables acquiesce, Mm -hmm. and then what you'll find with analyticals is that they'll avoid, and that means they'll withdraw. Mm. So if you've got someone in your life, personally or professionally, that is just not responding right now, it's likely that they're an analytical. They feel completely out of their depth because they don't have the detail and the facts to figure it out, and things are moving quickly. And that's, way, that's folding their arms way the other way. They don't move quickly. They need time to process. And we're not, we're not asking them to do that right now. So then that just triggers the drivers even more. And then they become more bombastic and it becomes a circular situation where teams are then, and, and people, just individuals, are becoming more and more and more stressed and more and more and more unlikely to be able to communicate in an effective way.
0: That just makes
1: so much sense.
0: Yeah, I could just recognise that in all sorts of people, and I like what you said about you know the, your golden rule: do unto others as they would have done to themselves. So that's what I'd like to talk about now: is how do you modify your behaviour to help that person maybe get out of their Uber features of each one? So how do you mm-hmm. how do you help the analytic stop withdrawing and engage more? How do you help the driver be a little less autocratic? Or how do you behave so that? Well, I guess, actually, I'm I'm hearing myself saying, how do you help that person be less autocratic, but actually, as you and I know, we are only responsible for what we can do, our own actions. So actually, I'm going to rephrase my question is, how do I behave so that I can cope with that person and get the best out of that person? and help lower their stress levels and my stress levels for the driver. Who's Mm. the aggressive, expressive, who's blaming and attacking and the able who's just acquiescing to everything.
1: And the analytical who's avoiding
0: avoiding. Yeah. So step
1: one is firstly recognizing who you are. So you cannot adapt to someone else and give them what they need without firstly understanding. So do the work to say, hold yeah. on, do I understand who I am and how I prefer to communicate and fold my arms first? Mm-hmm. And if you don't, then come and see me and we can do some work or watch my free content. It's a case of understanding yourself first. yeah. And then once you've got that, as you're already doing, you will recognize someone else's default preference and how they prefer. So that is yeah. absolutely fundamental. You cannot reach your destination it's like, I want to help that person. They're like this. That's your destination, right? Where, where am I first? You have to put in your current location before you can figure out the route. So I'm here. I want them to get to there or us to get to there. And then it's a case of understanding, and you'll know this by starting to listen really differently and observe really differently, how that person actually prefers to communicate. So for example, with an analytical you've done the work, you realize you're an expressive and they're an analytical and you're like, hey, what about this idea? We could do this. We could absolutely pivot this way. We could make sure our clients are getting this. How about that? And you're throwing ideas at them and they're not responding. And you do the work much as you said, you, like, you recognize, oh, hold on. I think I'm putting them into a state of stress. I'm excited. I'm not actually in a state of stress. I'm excited. I think I've triggered their stress response because I'm getting nothing back. Yes. Hmm. Where do I think they lie? Okay, I think they, I think we don't know. You can't know. But as I said, I'm happy to send a downloadable where you can know for yourself and you can always get other people to do it. A bit dangerous there. Be careful with that. But in the way that I understand it to be now, where might they sit? What's my guesstimate? Hmm. If they're an analytical, what do I know to be true? They need time to process. They need information. They have to analyze information before coming back with an opinion, because credibility and reputation is key to them. So in that situation, even the recognition of that, just as I saw you go through the process just then with your husband, like, oh, I see. It makes sense when I do this, that he does that. Even that is gonna liberate you from the stress. And then what you can do is think, okay, what can I do, as you say, to help in this situation? So one thing, firstly, what can I do? I can pause on the ideas. I can think about how many statements I'm making versus questions I'm asking. That's a very simple tool that I give to a lot of people. When was the last time I asked asked this other person a question? I've just been go, 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 go. Yeah. Okay. Let me just assess. And then one of those questions, if it's analytical, is going to speak to the analytical brain. What information do you need from me right now in order to make this decision? Okay. Versus a driver in that same situation, they're loving the ideas, but they're also sick of the ideas because they just want a decision made. With
0: stuff.
1: Yeah. So I might say to them, and they like statements, remember, not questions, is I, um, here's five ideas. I need your input by three o'clock today in order to determine which way we're going to go forward because I know they're results driven. I know time is crucial and they're very, very effective at prioritizing. So I'm going to set them a deadline to get what I need okay. versus an amiable who I might have a different conversation with. Again, I'm coming up with the ideas. This is what we could do differently, daddy, daddy, dumb. I might say to them because I know that they're consensus driven. And again, they need time to process. I love your opinion on that. And what you're really great at is speaking to the rest of the team about what would be really valuable for them right now. Could you do that for me and come back by Friday for our next scrum? Mm-hmm. And they might not be able to answer you straight away, by the way. If, and, and they might just say yes. And this is where it gets sophisticated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Then you've got to say, oh, they just, they've just they said yes a lot lately and I haven't actually checked in. And then you go to all of your other leadership tools around how do I check in on where they are, how do I look at where they're yeah. focusing their time, etc. But this is a fundamental piece of how do I connect and communicate effectively with the people around me and manage my own state is a game changer.
0: Yeah. I I can see that that is an issue with people who are amiable when you would like them to do something else, but you know that they're quite overwhelmed already and they're probably not going to say so, I guess. Like you said, it's the checking in and what are your priorities right now and do you have time to do this or not? And something I use quite a lot is, look, I've had this idea. Why don't you have a think and get back to me? (laughs) Because that just gives them thinking space and time and then, then they can come back.
1: Um, and it's also recognizing, listen, things have to move quickly at the best of time. So it's not about, this is why I'm saying the, the adapting versus surrendering, you need to balance out because stuff has to get decided. Things have to get done. We need to move forward in this busy world that we're in, rega- COVID or otherwise. So it's not about saying, okay, you take all the time you want and then let me know. But it's about understanding that, yes, there's still a deadline, but what do I need to have done with this particular person in order to hit that deadline? And what might they need from me through that process? Because the driver's gonna do it. You don't need to interact with them anymore. They know three o'clock, they're done, they'll get back to you. And Amiable is gonna potentially need a cutoff that's earlier than that because they're gonna be checking in with everybody. They're gonna be indecisive. They're not gonna wanna let anybody down. And Analytical is gonna go over that time because they're gonna still be analyzing stuff and trying to figure out the perfect way to present that in a really lovely pivot for the next team meeting on a presentation slide. Potentially, you know, I exaggerate to make a point. But it's not to say that that's okay, you do whatever you need to do to not be stressed. It's about managing the nuances of the human beings and the brains that are around us by recognizing who they are first and who we are, and then what's within my control to do differently.
0: Yeah. And I'm just thinking about how this would apply to clinical teams who are on the front line, who are yeah. running busy departments, redesigning services. And I can see how you might get, you know, the autocratic driver just going, right, this is what we're going to do with the analyticals, thinking, oh, I know, but this usually takes a while and we need to look at the evidence and, the, and all that sort of stuff. And then the amiables going around, making sure everyone's okay, mm-hmm. even when people aren't okay, because people are naturally quite upset and things are happening yeah yeah. and then with the expressives who are feeling their emotions emoting all over the place perhaps and you know there's a lot of blame going on at the moment and and also still
1: coming up with ideas and expressive Mm. might still be adding ideas into the mix so it doesn't have to be like negative behavior necessarily that's coming out that they're maybe coming up with lots of ideas, and the amiable's trying to be very helpful. And then, if they are in stress, then they're attacking. It's like, well, we clearly can't do that because such and such department is never going to get it to us because they never get it. And then they go, in. so yes, mm. that's going to happen. And then the other thing with amiables is that they're going to be saying yes to the driver. And as we said, they're not necessarily going to be able to, and they're going to be feeling very normally on that diagonal it's really, they, they start to feel very like that person is very rude and very dismissive and very aggressive. Maybe even being bullied. Yes, exactly. Mm. So they have high, high empathy, both Mm. expressives and, and amiables do because they're below the line. That's not to Mm. say everyone doesn't have high empathy, by the way, your bits of all of this, let me, I put that Mm. caveat around it and you can be all of these styles. Yeah. It's just some of them hurt more when you're folding your arms that way. It still yeah. takes more brain energy until it doesn't, by the way, until you folded your arms that many times. And yeah. this is the beauty. This is the light at the end of the tunnel. The longer term piece of it is if I keep folding my arms that way, I'm going to be able to speak to an analytical brain like that. And it's not always going to be this hard. It's not always going to be like rolling your eyes and frustrated and draining my energy and, Oh, it's, it's not. That's not how, as you know, our brains are designed. The consistency of creating those new neural pathways is going to mean, hey, I just fold my arms that way now and it's easy. Mm-hmm. But right now, you know, for those clinical teams, it's crucial that they understand, as we said, the fundamentals of who they are as individuals first yeah. and then how are they potentially coming across. God, I think that might be experienced by, you know, Susie as quite aggressive. I'm being decisive But knowing what I know now to be true about the different ways that people experience this world normally and under stress, let me just think about what, and then there's little things, tone of voice, body language, am I sitting next to her, am I barking down the phone, am I, okay, and then there's lots and lots of tools that we can look at in terms of adapting
0: and I think the point you make that, you know, this is just the model and no model is the truth, but some of them are helpful. So don't feel boxed in by this. Don't yes. feel that you have to act in a certain way. You know, we're bits of all, but this, yeah. you know, for me, this is a really helpful insight. One thing that we haven't covered, I just want to ask you is we talked about as expressives or how we might go to the other things. How should people deal with expressives who are under under stress? <laughs> how do they deal with us <laughs> i'm just making notes my the half <laughs> this is how, it involves flowers and champagne <laughs> yes
1: well it, expressives and you know this for yourself because you are expressives love to be heard they yeah. love to have be an idea generator they love spontaneity they don't like to be boxed in interesting language that you use there as it was so if you're an analytical it's about understanding that ah uh, I'm so let's take a situation where, you know, you're trying to make a decision on something. I know that she's going to want to come up with lots more, lots of other ideas and I'm an analytical and I need loads of facts and I've done all of the analysis. So what I'm not going to do is do loads of analysis until I've said to her, for example, Hey, listen, I'm thinking about this thing. I'd love to hear your ideas on it. I've got till four today can we like jump on a zoom or can we like have a coffee if you're living with each other and chat through it at two because i'd love to hear all of your ideas so then the expressive is like yes now as it gets a bit stressful the expressive is going to go well i knew you weren't going to choose that idea because obviously okay so this is when they go into attack and blame so managing an ex- expressive that's under stress well, before I say anything, what, what would your insight be?
0: <laughs> well, my insight is just let them have the ideas without feeling you have to respond to all of them, actually. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, I've been in situations where I've just been having conversations with people and I realise that they've come away completely exhausted. So I've gone, oh, we could do this. And oh, have you thought of this? And you know, they're like, enough with the ideas. But I think just realize that expressive they're not saying we have to do everything <laughs> they're just sort of thinking yeah. things aloud and having ideas and so I think but just be heard don't squash the ideas don't go oh that won't yeah. work because that won't work just listen to them and then at the end you could go well what which one of those
1: might work <laughs> yeah <laughs> or they're, if they're analytical do what's good for you like I'm going to take those away and analyze them I'm going to look at you know what the budget will be for each of them and then I'd love to get your input and what do you think Rachel if you've gone into stress and you're in attack what do you think is the best way for people particularly if we think about analyticals because they're on the diagonal to communicate effectively with you during that time
0: i think the absolute worst thing is don't try and defend or say yeah but yeah. It's your fault. you know don't hit them back with attacks just go just empathize i'm really sorry that's really crap you've gone the wrong yeah f- you've gone the wrong way around the m25 oh yeah, yeah you, you must be really Frustrated and tired. Oh, let's see what I can do to help.
1: That's the way. Exactly. To it. And you start from where they are. Exactly. It's like let them rant. And know this about expressives is they will rant big time, and then move on. <laughs> they're not holding a grudge yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. then it's gone and they're back to not that we're schizophrenic or
0: anything like (laughs) that
1: but it can be like volatile right so that's exactly it you start there it doesn't mean you're not going to come up with the facts of how they can get onto the right motorway that it's not that that's just going to come secondary because that's your preference to go first with here are the facts here's the solution this is what you can do to fix it but actually i'm going to come i'm going to start in your quadrant i'm just going to start there and i'm going to start with wow yeah that is huge And then I'm gonna move into, you know, where I prefer to be and where I believe we need to go, because you can't stay in that state, right? We need need to get you on the right M25. And you're doing it with the level of being liberated from the personal attack. Like, I cannot believe it. Here she goes again. All I was trying to do was come up with an idea and she's like. (laughs) So you're liberated from the she's being rude to me or you know, she's she always overtalks me. So you start to see these phrases of always and never and typically. You can let them go because you're just recognising actually that that's a human being of you that there that folds her arms a different way to me. Yeah,
0: I think this thing of differences is, is so powerful. I remember when I when I had my my kids were really young when I was a a young mum, tiny babies and. I would really beat myself up that we, we did a sort of Myers Briggs thing. There's some baby group I went to, and we had to describe our ideal day. And one mother described her ideal with the day as getting, you know, just staying in her pajamas all day with her children, just sort of being at home with them on her own, wouldn't see anyone, you know. And I remember thinking, Ooh, like, she just described my utterly worst day. But and then, and then, but the realization, I had been feeling like a bad mother because mm-hmm. I felt that I didn't enjoy my children's company or something like that, of course I did. But this mm-hmm. realized, I mean, it like, came to me quite late in life, let's just <laughs> realize that. <laughs> we are just different. It's not, One isn't better yeah. than another, it is just different. And as soon as you can understand those differences, you can then make allowances and it just becomes so much easier so much oh. more joyful. Doesn't it? The self-acceptance, right? It doesn't mean that you
1: have to, you're like, I am, and this is like the authenticity versus arrogance. It's like, well, deal with it because I'm an expressive and that's how I am. You know, it's not that, it's a self-acceptance of, oh, I'm not like a results person. And actually the environment I'm in, when I think about a lot of the companies I work with, you know, I had 15 years in banking. So a lot of my clients are in financial services and they are very, they reward Which quadrant? Which quadrant in that world gets
0: driver stroke analytical, I would think.
1: Yeah. Highly driver driven. A little bit of, a lot of analyticals drawn to it, but that's the, and that's not just specific to the financial services industry. Results driven. And so you're sitting there beating yourself up going, I'm never going to be because I'm not like that. You can, again, liberate yourself from that. Just understanding this is how I am. Okay, I want to get to there. And this is the behavior that's recognized and rewarded. What am I willing to do to adapt to get to there? And how am I going to get smart at influencing the people that are making those decisions given that I don't think like them? But now I've got a bit of a roadmap to begin to influence that conversation differently to ultimately get there. And when I think about, you know, the majority of people that, that listen to your podcast and, as you say, clinicians and in that world, then, I mean, where do you think the majority of them Live in terms of profile? I actually
0: think that, you know, a lot of people try and box doctors, box people in healthcare. I think you've got people in in every single quadrant for that. I don't think you can put any, you know, say because you're a doctor, you're there, or because you're a surgeon, you're there, you're not. It's actually very well spread out. But one thing I don't think we do very well in healthcare is this job of self analysis you know we, yeah. we weren't taught that at medical school we haven't really done it we just got on with it we had just got on yeah. the job and now we're going oh yeah. suddenly you know I thought when I went onto the wards as a junior right. doctor I would get on with people because I'm friendly you know but very soon when suddenly people weren't doing what I asked them to do or, or what their jobs they should have done their jobs suddenly boom we clash and I have no tools because mm-hmm. I just thought if I was nice to people that would be enough It wasn't, and suddenly I think I'm an awful human being and an awful doctor because I've never been taught this stuff.
1: Yeah, and it's fundamental. That's the thing, whatever industry you're in, because then you take it to the next level of, you know, when I'm looking at teams that I'm working with now around high performing teams, is what's missing from our team? If I think about, you know, the medical profession, and, and let's look at our team, if we're all highly analytical and drivers, for example, this is the conversation that starts to happen around where's the empathy for the patient and then you get you know situations where it's like okay well what do we need to do let's call them we'll introduce ourselves by the first name that's not your preference that's not your default you wouldn't even think about that it's like potentially right i'm here i'm gonna diagnose i'm gonna help this person it's coming from a good place but oh what does this person need so when you start to see from a team perspective what's missing because we're all drivers or analyticals or we no one is highly expressive or no one's highly amiable then you can start to look at okay mm-hmm. especially now right when everyone's under stress how do we create this high performance team again it's and you can't necessarily recruit in an expressive you can use this tool and you know HBDI as i said the deeper work that i do through recruitment and that process but it's even in the recognition that wow we don't we don't really have an amiable and what does that mean? Well, you know, that team cohesion and the making, okay, well, how do we fabricate that? How do we do that on purpose now that we know it's missing? And you can yeah. do it from a much more strategic perspective yeah. and then start to see what happens, right? It's amazing.
0: So, that, Gita, that's just been absolutely fascinating and really, really helpful. And we'll put all those resources up in the show notes that so people can sort of find that out and if i can manage on the video i'll see if i can get a little slide in the corner actually so while we're talking people can see it so people listen to the podcast get yourself onto the youtube video and you'll be able to see it hopefully if i can work the tech you know talk about a fast deep learning curve about (laughs) i'm really good at video editing that well getting better at video editing so uh, let's have your three top tips what would your three take home messages for people be right now in amongst the covid crisis in amongst the stress in terms of the way they just make allowances for other people. Three top tips. Good question.
1: I mean, my expressive brain has 25, obviously. <laughs> we'll
0: let's start just, with three and
1: we'll see. Say that. Yeah. The three top, I mean, the first instinct that I would say is given everything that's going on, is be kind to yourself. Yeah. Recognize that you're gonna to react to this differently than the person next to you, and that's okay. So that would be a top tip is just take a breath and be kind to yourself. Yeah. Secondly, it would be to create some reflection time to really enjoy starting to understand a little bit more about what happens to you and do it within a framework, whatever you choose to do. Mm-hmm. Because one of my favourite things to say is you can't read the label from inside the jar. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's really... Right. It's really hard to go, oh, how am I coming across? And and you know, what who am I? Just from inside. So then the third thing is get some feedback from other people. Is ask how and this is a bigger meta piece. So not so much navigating the situation now, but in order to evolve your understanding of who you are and how you can be with other people, if indeed you want to be more effective and have a higher influence, is how am I actually coming across and ask that question and actually I just did that on LinkedIn today I can't wait to see what people come up with but that's one of the thing top thing, tips I give to mm-hmm. leaders to everyone is simply go and ask someone how would you describe me to someone else in three words
0: yeah
1: and just see what they say from a place of being kind to yourself from a place of not yeah. um, oh my god is that what they think of me breathe it in and just see what happens from there because it is a case of getting better, better and better every day. But doing it from a place of kindness to yourself and a true will to evolve and be better for yourself and then those around you is going to keep you moving through the discomfort of
0: folding your arms the opposite way. I love that, particularly that third one about getting some feedback. In our Shapes courses in one of the units about how uh, we trigger our stress response. We get people beforehand to go and get three words, three mm. words to describe them at their best, three words to describe them at, at their worst. And actually they are really revelatory really to, to mm. about how they are experienced. So that's a really quick win, something you could do. And if you uh, listen to this podcast and using this for CPT, go and do that. Go and ask us three words at, their be- at your best. So how you, Experience at your best, and then ask for three words under pressure, and it, it will be really interesting. Then just reflect on that, and maybe reflect on which quadrant you're in there. The other thing, can I add one last thing to the three words thing? You, you may. Is just what three words would I
1: like them to be used mm. to describe me? Because then you're going to get the gap analysis. Then you're going to get, well, have I even thought about how I want to come across? <laughs> have I even thought about those words for myself? And then it's like, oh, is that marrying up with how people are experiencing me? And if not, then what can I do about it if I want to?
0: Yeah, it's so important to get some reality rather than just how I, I think people yeah. experience me. It often it's very different to how people actually are. Yeah. So, Gita, if people wanted to contact you, find out more about your work, how can they contact you? Well, my website is highdefinitionyou.com
1: but if you want to find me on instagram or linkedin just dm me i'm sure you'll put the links in cuz i've got a complicated name send me a, a message and i'll happily chat through things i'll put a link in for you rachel where people can download something so they can self assess as well Great. if they're interested in just finding out i mean who isn't right who am i people yeah. are curious about who who am i start from a place of that would be my overall top tip the expressive still coming up with ideas at the end my overall I guess some advice right now and going forward is to be more curious than afraid. Come from that place of curiosity about yourself, about others, about the world, and you're not going to be able to stay in a state of fear. Your brain is not designed to activate curiosity and stay in a state of fear. So whether you're applying that to what your social style is or how you deal with the epic amount of change, that is an overarching, I feel, is helpful.
0: Great. Thank you so much. Will you come back on the podcast another time? I'm sure there's lots more. We need oh my to- gosh, you're never going to shut me up. We'll be talking. Yeah. Right. okay. Thank you so much Thanks, for having Skeeter. me. to we'll speak time. soon. Cheers. Bye. Bye